Morning, Chris. Yeah, morning, Malcolm. How's it going? Oh, great, thank you. It's a big day ahead on the Waitamata. Lighter or dodgy, lighter winds are forecast for the opening race of the uh, Prada Cup final. Uh, dodgy, lighter winds. Falling off foils, Chris. Can you see this happening this afternoon? Yeah, definitely it's got that potential. Um, sort of light northeasterly breezes are forecast this afternoon and a couple of the models have it maybe building to, to the early teens. So, you know, at this stage in the competition, you'd hope that the teams have sort of figured out how to make sure they can stay on the foils in the, that lighter end of the wind range. And um, if, if that's the case and there's enough breeze for the boats to stay foiling, then it's just going to be a straight sort of boat speed race. The breeze will be very stable. It shouldn't be, you know, shifting too much in direction. So the start will be very important. And then from there, it's, it's just going to be who's got the faster boat. Ineos Team UK, they've been uh, off the water for a while. Extensive modifications to their boat. What do you think they might have done to it? Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's super hard to, to speculate without sort of seeing them uh, on, on the tally or up close. You know, some of the, the shots that we get from the helicopters are telling in, in terms of being able to figure out what they've changed. But they will have been doing as much as they can to try and optimise the performance of the boat and the, the lighter wind range. We've seen that they've been very fast in that sort of mid to upper range. But, you know, the Italian boat was definitely performing the best out of all the challenges in that, that lighter wind range that we're expecting to see uh, later today. So, yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see when they come off the start line in that first race if the Brits have managed to, to improve the performance of the boat in the lighter airs. And, the, the flip side to that is the Italians who have, have done a nice job of bridging the gap in that mid to upper range. It might might cost them a little bit in the in the lighter airs. So, you know, I'm expecting to see these boats very evenly matched just as they were when they finished the, the round robin. You know, we saw that great race where it had all those lead changes and it was very exciting. Let's talk about this uh, challenger of record and the power that Luna Rossa has because Magic USA tried to get that minimum limit raised, didn't it? It was 6.5 knots and Luna Rossa, well, there wasn't an agreement, so it wasn't raised. I mean, the American team had all sorts of a bother falling off their foils. And now we've talked about the lowering of the upper limit, which Ben Ainsley doesn't want to see. He wants to see it stay at 23 knots. It's been lowered to 21. Luna Rossa apparently happy with that. They they hold all the power, don't they, Chris? When there's issues like this raised and there's potentially a chance to change, you know, the, the originally agreed racing rules, you know, they had that 23 knot upper wind limit in place and, and there was obviously a bit of a, a question mark over, you know, some of the concerns that the teams are raising as to whether it was either, you know, safe to race in those conditions or if it was just, you know, survival mode and trying to get the boat around the racetrack and so the way that it works is the, the challenger of record and the defender being Team New Zealand uh, ultimately get to decide uh, together uh, what, what, what changes are made to that. And the other teams are um, asked for their opinion and they, they kind of pitch into it. But ultimately it comes down to the defender and the challenger of record. And so obviously it's, it's a tough one for the Brits because we've seen that their boat goes very well in that upper wind range. And so... Mm-hmm. By reducing the the wind range from 23 to 21 knots, it you know it might not sound like a huge amount, but you've got to remember these guys have been designing uh, their the boat around those limitations for the last couple of years. So you know push very hard to to make sure that the boat's controllable and, and safe to sail on those breezes and competitive. Um, so by lowering that sort of wind range, it definitely plays into the hands of the boats that are more optimised to the to the lower end. So. It's a, it's a hard one for my end. You know, I, I sort of think the fairest way to do it is if you're going to adjust the upper wind range, then you should probably adjust the lower one as well so that mm. you, you're keeping the gap between the two consistent. Um, if you bring just one down, then then obviously you know, it pushes sort of more advantage to, to whoever's you know, ma- mathematically or strategically designed their boat for, for the lower end. So 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. I can understand why the British team are a bit upset, but ultimately at the end of the day, these boats are obviously so hard to sail and with the speeds that they're going, safety is a, a really important part of it. And, and I think what we saw, and you know, especially when American Magic capsized, you know, that was up towards the, the upper end of the wind range, but it was more the sea state as well, which made it very difficult. And that's there's, there's nothing in uh, the guidelines about the sea state. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you, your safety, you know, common sense has got to come into play and, and safety is definitely the, the most important thing in that regard. So the delay card has also been reintroduced. The rules kind of keep changing. Yeah, it's a, I, I think that's a really tricky one. Um, to me, it just seems like there's there's a lot of changes being made quite frequently, and and it doesn't really seem that consistent. I think the the idea of the delay card is a good idea because you know these boats are obviously very technical and and sophisticated with you know all the equipment that you need to to keep them running. So I mean, from a spectator standpoint, you don't want to see the race over before it started because someone's got an issue. So you know the delay cards there with the idea of knowing that if something is to go wrong, you can buy yourself a little bit more time to make sure you can get your boat ready to race and, and we, you know get to see it, the spectacle that these boats sort of provide. Um, without that delay card, like I said, the race could be over before it starts and and uh, people that you know put, put aside their Saturday afternoon to watch one or two races you know might not get the opportunity to do that. Yeah. So both boats are more rounded packages now, aren't they? I mean, they've been working a lot on the boat. So, so what's different? So let's talk about, you know, there's two steering the boat on uh, Luna Rossa. There'll be two helmsmen. On uh, Team UK, there is just Ben Ainsley, and he has a full-time tactician in Giles Scott who's looking up course and looking at the wind. Which of those two layouts is going to work best? I certainly think that the British team, out of all the teams, have sailed their boat to its capability better than everyone else. They've, they've, they've been the cleanest around the racetrack. They've pieced together the most wind shifts and, and sailed the boat very accurately. And that, you know, you can see that evidently on the on the scorecard. They haven't been beaten yet in the uh, Prada Cup. You know, Giles Scott is without a doubt the best in the business and, and Ben Ainsley at driving as well. So they've obviously got a combination and a, and a partnership there with, with a lot of trust built around it. And the more sailing they do together, the, the better that's going to be. You know, I think that setup is, is very strong. And saying that, I really like the concept that the Italians have gone down where you've got two helmsmen, one on each side of the boat. Both of those guys, you know, Francesco Bruni and Jimmy Spittle are, are the best in the business when it comes to, to driving a foiling boat fast. And, and so what that gives you the opportunity to do is if the two boats are close together, you can switch helmsmen very easily and very quickly. You know, you can just, by, by using the comms that they have on board, you can basically just say, my wheel, and the other guy knows, okay, he's taking the boat, and I've just got to, you know, fly the boat the best of my ability. And so the reason why it's so powerful is when you're driving the boat on one side, you actually can't see what's happening on the other. Mm. And so if your competitor's on the other side of the boat, because of the way that these mainsails are kind of inplated right down to the deck, you know, they seal off and you can't actually see underneath. In the past, you've, you've been able to see underneath the boom and, and you can react in plenty of time. But, but these guys, you know, with, with the way the setup's now, you, you can't see anything. They've got these tiny little windows on the sail, but that's not enough. And so when they make a manoeuvre, the Brits are tacking or jibing and Ainsley's running from one side to the other. There's a period there where no one's on the wheel or Giles has got the wheel. And so it makes it very difficult for, for them to be accurate with their manoeuvres or steering in that period when Ben's crossing the boat. And I think that's where the Italians will be very strong. But also the, the wind conditions are going to be very you know pivotal in how that relationship works. Because if it's the breeze like we're expecting today, where it's a, a northeasterly stable breeze, the, the boat-on-boat tactics won't be nearly as much in, as you'd see in the course sea area where you're racing in the in the southwesterlies and there's a lot more wind shifts and, and, and wind changes so I think that's where having a tactician is very strong you know what we're expecting today stable light sort of breezes I think 
the split helmsman will, will work very well as well. The fact that Luna Rossa has had four more races than um, than Team UK does that make them more match fit and an advantage? Yeah, I think it, I think it does. Um, I, I certainly think with the amount of racing that all these guys have done in these boats, it's still relatively new, and so any time you get the chance to line up against another team. In real life, you know, you've got to remember that most of these guys have been sailing around on their own and their own team for, for the last couple of years. And so other than doing some simulator work where you're trying to sort of predict what might happen in the racing, actually coordinating your, your full 11-man team and everyone in their job in sync doing things together is, is very difficult to do. So when you put another boat right there, all of a sudden everything happens in real time and there's real-life consequences involved. I think for sure the Italians will have gained an advantage of sailing those extra four races and we already sort of kind of heard onboard audio they've worked a lot on their their com their communication um and the dialogue that's happening between jimmy and francesco in terms of being match fit they'll be in, in really good shape the, the the thing is the question is i guess is are the brits going to have lost you know a little bit of, of, mm. of race form and the and the couple of weeks that they've had off you know the boat will certainly be faster but yeah it'll be interesting to see how they you know sort of have their time on distance their race strategy planned out and you know and if they are in a position where they can hit the line running race where they left off in the round robins